Ryan Giggs is on 899 games. Sadly, Mrs. Giggs didn't let him go to Amsterdam, so he didn't hit 900. Which Mrs. Giggs would that be, then? <laughs> you know, the one he's actually married to. Ah, right. Good, good. Yeah, just checking on that one. So, do you think he's going to get to uh, 900 against Ajax next week? Yeah, I think so. Otherwise, it's an awful long break without a game, isn't it? Yeah, we might see him, maybe off the bench. We'll talk about Ajax in more depth, but it's so comfortable against Ajax. In Amsterdam, I can't see them doing anything, no matter what team Ferguson puts out. So, hopefully, we'll see a few kids and, uh, and that kind of thing. It'd be nice, wouldn't it? And a nice, easy victory with such a short time before the next Premier League game. Yeah, absolutely. Ryan Giggs, an amazing tweet from at Steve Bartram, who works at Manchester United, comparing Ryan Giggs' appearance numbers with various other figures from United's past. Ryan Giggs has more United appearances than Best and Law combined. All right, yeah. And also, also more than David Beckham, Cristiano Ronaldo and Eric Cantona all combined. Incredible stats. I mean, the amount of goals he scored, the amount of assists he got. It, actually, the, from the early part of his career, the, the assists data isn't as good as it is, but no, pretty sure he's the all-time leading Premier League assist maker. The, the amount of games he's played in all these competitions, over 140 in Europe, for example, the amount of trophies he's got, 33, I believe, and the amount of personal honours, this massive long list of... I mean, I, I did a little infographic for the website, thinking he might play on Thursday night, and he didn't, and, and I left half of the personal honours out because he's got honorary degrees from every university on the planet and, and so on, and the Welsh sports personality of the year 87 times in a row and that kind of thing when I, when I lived in Wales for a little while when I went to university and lived in Wales it was just funny because literally Welsh sports personality of the year and the Welsh sports personality of the year it is oh look it's, uh, it's lovely Ryan Giggs again well done Ryan <laughs> home from home for you this of course yeah so yeah incredible career I mean you do run out of words don't you to describe what an achievement it is and, and I think I think we've almost become kind of a bit blasé about Giggs because he doesn't get the he should be I think people should rank him up there with the very best ever and it's not just of his talent I mean he's obviously a supremely talented player with with limitations but in any age but especially in the modern age of football with the pace the game's played at and all of that to go on as long as he has and continually contribute as well is incredible I mean he's helped of course the fact that United is skint and Ferguson doesn't have any money to go out and buy a replacement but it's still an incredible achievement yeah and it's it's very interesting to watch him this season I guess is a nice segue into the Liverpool game because he had a fairly typical Ryan Giggs this season s performance against Liverpool gave the ball away a lot was quite frustrating and then as soon as he has an opportunity to actually create something and it's really explosive like he'll give the ball away a lot in the sort of middle third of the pitch but when he's in the final third he's just devastating I mean his his past stats are at the sort of just over 70 mark whereas skulls will be in the 90s so that kind of gives you a, an idea I, I think back to the 99 final when Ferguson talked about the tactics for that final with obviously with Keane and Skulls out and he talked about whether he'd play Ryan Giggs in the centre or Beckham and he chose not to play Giggs in there because he said his bursty style might mean that he loses possession a bit more and it is typical Giggs performance at the moment he is wasteful with the ball and you kind of think it, he shouldn't be really I mean all that experience on his side you'd think he, he'd be a bit smarter in possession but it does feel like he is wasteful with the ball but but excellent cross for the second goal and, and he continues to do that he's, he's got for the amount of games he's got incredible amount of assists this season 
already. And they say, you know, that um, Arsenal sort of starting 1-0 up at the moment because of Robin Van Persie, although that didn't apply on Wednesday night this week. But we're sort of starting 1-0 up every time Giggsy plays because he'll get an assist every game. Right, yeah, yeah. And um, and, and, and it's, 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 it's been important that he's he's played a role. I mean, wherever he's played, whether he's played through central central midfield or just behind the striker, let's say this season. Uh, or, and he's even played sometimes on the left wing, which is the old stomping ground, of course. And that's been important because we've had so many wide players injured. So he's, he's playing... A, he, I'm not surprised he's been given a new deal. A, United don't have that much in the kitty to spend in the summer. And, and B, he's still contributing. Yeah, no, absolutely. And he did, of course, play on the left against Liverpool. So let's, let's do this chronologically, shall we? The game started and, you know, I, I was really shocked that Suarez didn't take Evra's hand. But I, I figure everyone has talked about this. We've talked about the Suarez everything every week. And I don't know about you, but I feel like I've pretty much said almost everything I've got to say on the subject. I, I think you're right. I, I feel burnt out by it as well. I, I'm kind of sick of talking about it. I'm definitely sick of writing about it on the website. And I'm sick about of all the debate. Although I would say that, that it all converged into, into one moment there. And one of the really interesting things I, I thought about that, the lack of handshake moment, was it was was not Suarez's reaction per se or Evra's I mean it didn't even it didn't actually surprise me that much when that happened I I mean I talked about it on goal.com live chat we did a web chat we did the week before and I, I said I thought they would shake hands so um, I guess in that sense I predicted the opposite of what happened but I wasn't that surprised that Suarez didn't do it but I thought it had a really important effect because whereas Liverpool as a club and the fans and the player could deny anything happened with Evra because there was no smoking gun it wasn't caught on camera or anything like that the, the racial abuse this was and it was broadcast around the world to hundreds of millions of people live in the United States and the sponsors and I've said I said this before didn't I a few weeks ago at what yeah. point would the sponsors get in touch with Fenway Sports and that's when something will happen and it's exactly what happened Standard Charter called up Fenway Fenway called up Liverpool and read them the right act and suddenly everyone's very contrite about what had happened I thought of you when the PR machine finally started to spin properly properly from Liverpool because I thought this is exactly what Ed said would happen at some point the sponsors would get involved and there'll be pressure on the owners and of course it's no coincidence that the Liverpool apology in inverted commas the first bit of mediatory PR from Liverpool came out the day after articles had appeared in the Boston Globe and the New York Times right yeah but it's, it's the same way with the Glazer family they they only care and start making responses when there's articles in the States yeah well, it's their home turf they don't want to be made out to be showing lack of leadership which actually Fenway have shown a a massive lack of leadership on this they didn't want to be shown up to be to be doing that and it was a leader in the by Rob Hughes I mean he's an English writer but a leader in the New York Times and then that really provoked a reaction and a strong one at that what's extraordinary is I guess it's not even extraordinary what's really sad and sort of terrifying has been the Liverpool fan response I have finally started to see some Liverpool fans saying that they pretty much thought that Suarez behaved disgracefully you know I I finally saw that for the first time after the the handshake incident but then still this kind of further retreating into the trenches very interesting conversations at at my work with a couple of Liverpool fans one of whom was just absolutely kind of disgusted by the way the club had handled the whole thing and said he was kind of relieved when the American PR 
people stepped in and some slickness was finally put in place with the message. Right. Dalglish's post-match interview was... Disgraceful, yeah. He's he's worse than Fergie at dealing with the press, and that's something... Yeah, well, Fergie wouldn't answer those questions. He would just say, you're, you're being stupid, I'm not answering that. Use bass, you know, blah, blah, blah. Beep. Well, that's pretty much what Kenny Dalglish did, but Dalglish was just super hostile, wasn't he? Well, he was very hostile. He also retreated into paranoia very, very quickly, blamed the media for it all, which was just insane. It's it's not 24-hour news that made Luis Suarez reject Patrice Evra's hand twice as well, you know. Evra put his hand out, he, re- he rejected it, he rejected it when Evra grabbed him. In fact, he rejected it when David De Gea tried to point him that way as well, so maybe we should say it three times. Now, I did find it hilarious, I mean, you talked about the fan response there, there's a couple of blog posts, one on This Is Anfield. Proof that Evra rejected Suarez's handshake. And and then afterwards, the edit, after Suarez had, had apologised, or sort of semi-apologised, apologised to his club, didn't apologise to Evra, which is the apology he really needs to make. And then the edit afterwards, we still believe that Evra caused this. I was like, okay! Yeah. <laughs> and deluded to the last. You know, it's the ultimate proof of the cult of Liverpool. Yeah, I read an article on Anfield Rap today, which uh, I couldn't get through it, because by the time I got halfway through, I just thought, this is this is just sad at this point. It's just sad to see human beings identifying with a football club so strongly, basically, to the point at which all rational thought goes out the window and all the potential that the other team that your team is somehow in the wrong is just un- unbearable and you know these terrible American owners making us kowtow to the Fergie biased media and all this stuff right yeah there's crazy people you know there's people completely entrenched in distinctly wrong-headed viewpoints that they think they're supposed to hold yeah and, and the worrying thing is I, I don't everyone said oh we're going to move on and, and United could do nothing other than release a statement saying we accept that apology and we'll move on Ever will, won't get a personal apology he should do but he won't get it but I don't think we can move on just yet because there, there's still going to be commentary about this and, and I think the drama with Suarez may go on a bit further I mean obviously stories about him in Paris Saint-Germain I wouldn't be surprised whether Liverpool didn't decide to cut their losses Fergie said he was a disgrace to the club and if he was in charge he'd sell yeah, him right well and and coming from Fergie he probably would wouldn't he you know he's, <laughs> he's not slow to, to make a decision to get rid of a player when he's decided enough is enough so and I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised at all it, it might be better for the player and certainly best for Liverpool just to move on from that and you, you kind of get a sense they're moving round to the let's blame Suarez for all of this once the sponsors start getting involved I mean look Standard Chartered pay them £20 million a year that's a hell of a lot of dough for a club that isn't competing at the highest level and the bank is paying that money because of Liverpool's global reach and the iconic status they have and the number of millions of fans they have and to associate their name with them now if, if Liverpool is a club that is deeply associated with racism and Standard Charter is a primarily an internationalised bank based in Asia aren't they but you know international then then that is not a good mix not a good mix at all and if I was their CMO I might be looking at the fine print of that contract and you know, whether they can start you know negotiating negotiating their way out of it so no no surprise that Liverpool suddenly started to act when uh, when that came down to that no absolutely uh, there was a football match and it was an excellent one United were excellent I could not believe that Kenny Dalglish had not listened to the rank cast and put some people on skulls and pressured him but having given him the freedom of Anfield he gave him the freedom of Manchester as well and he had Wayne Rooney to actually put chances away this time that lack of incision that there was at Anfield was not in evidence two goals in quick succession and, and one of Rooney's best ever performances against Liverpool I'd say Rooney was very good he was very good especially in the second half I thought and um, he, re- he really pulled Liverpool all around and, and yeah fine performance by United all round really it's, it was just a yeah good solid 
performance and, and it was just that last sort of 15 minutes again wasn't it Liverpool made some substitutions and brought themselves back into the game thankfully this time didn't have the the, uh, the wrong result at the end of it all and good solid three points for United yeah after Rooney got that first I thought we really need a second quickly here because Liverpool will get back into this at some point and it, it was good that we did get that second it was interesting when Liverpool changed uh, I felt like at Anfield it was really Fergie that didn't respond to the change but here I almost felt like it was the United players that didn't respond and they'd been used to playing the game at basically a, a, at walking pace mm. Every time Carrick and Skulls got the ball, they had absolutely ages to think about what they wanted to do with it. And whilst their incredible passing statistics were in large part due to what wonderful players they're in, both in excellent veins of form, but it was also to do with the fact that at no point were they under any threat from any Liverpool players, so they could pick the passes they wanted to. Yeah. Then for that last 15 to 20 minutes after Craig Bellamy came on, basically, suddenly they didn't have time on the ball anymore. And it looked like it was a bit of a, a jolt to the system a couple of times. A couple of times they gave the ball away somewhat sloppily um, and just found that they had players on them more quickly yep that's true and going back to that that lack of, lack of pressing for, for much of the game for over 60 minutes and really really a huge tactical error by Dalglish it's just so plainly obvious and maybe it says something about him as a coach as well as him as a person the media interviews so um, big big mistake there and, and once they brought the extra striker on they had a bit more of a focal point to the attack and they, they, there's a bit of momentum going behind uh, Liverpool and they really did get back into the game I mean didn't didn't ever feel that uh, United's lead was under genuine threat really although a couple of saves by De Gea again wasn't there but uh, in the end yeah, a well deserved victory and, and uh, I think yeah, anything other than victory for United would have been a real shame uh, we had a question from Mark underscore Pud about whether Anders Lindergaard's injury is really helping David De Gea because his place is not under threat and so he can just play well he's playing every week as well um, word is that Lindergaard's ankle injury is, is not good and he'll be out for quite some time so I think De Gea can probably see himself playing the next six, seven, uh, whatever games, yeah. And he's been pretty much free from the mistake, like since that really terrible mistake for the first goal at Anfield, he hasn't made another one and he's made a series of increasingly spectacular saves. Well, perhaps not increasingly spectacular because the one against Chelsea, pretty much the most spectacular save I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I was thinking about that today because I was talking about it with someone and I had a little look at the image of that again, the, the one where he actually looks like a superhero and he's at full strength and, and taking the ball with his wrong hand and it really is up there with the kind of banks against Pele save and all, all those saves that you think is just quintessentially the best saves ever sort of thing it was really extraordinary yeah and, and a great picture and that, that always helps capture the moment doesn't it yeah on the wider point of De Gea's form yeah he's he's been very good and it, it's just the, the little bit about his security when the ball's coming in from crosses and corners and, and set plays and, and all of that and uh, that's that's the bit that uh, is going to worry everyone until he puts together a series of games where he doesn't make any mistakes in the, those kind of positions and he makes the right decision all of the time and maybe that's still not happening just yet but but nothing calamitous in the last few games and, and as you said a, a whole bunch of very solid saves yeah absolutely and he's pretty much played with uh, Rio and Johnny Evans in front of him for a few games in a row and I suspect I'm sure that helps as well yeah I mean the defence is still changing every single game I and mean, we haven't played the same back four for three re- weeks running for as long as I can 
can remember, right? But yeah, having Rio and Evans there, and both playing well, both of them, and Evans has had a whole bunch of solid games in a row now, I'd say, uh, and that must help him as well. Just a bit of security and security in the knowledge that he will be playing every week and, and a bit of confidence and making some good saves and all of that. And it's, that's all good. So there's quite a lot of uh, Welbeck versus Hernandez debate before the Liverpool game. Fergie saying that perhaps after the Anfield game that perhaps he should have started with uh, Chicharito. Oh no, after the Chelsea game saying he should have started with Chicharito leading to many people speculating that he might start him against Liverpool. But I don't know. I, I, I just thought that was sort of Fergie being Fergie because Chicharito has had to come on as a sub a lot and he was I think that was the kind of media interview equivalent of an arm round the shoulder for Chicharito in some ways. Uh, so I, I wasn't surprised to see Welbeck playing and, and another fine game from Welbeck. Yeah, and, and as we're used to seeing from him now, aren't we? I mean, he's really turning himself into a real top-class forward. I mean, I can't see anything other than Welbeck going to the Euros for, with England, and uh, even though it's going to be a disaster for the English team, uh, it should be good experience for Welbeck, and really on current form and ability, he should start with Rooney, shouldn't he? Well, when Rooney finally gets a game for the last game, for last and final game that England have at the tournament. Well, unless the incoming England manager suddenly realises that it's not impossible that he could have Michael Carrick and Paul Scholes as his starting midfield, in which case England would suddenly become more effective. I think it is absolutely hilarious that we live in a country where Michael Carrick isn't like a massively, massively obvious first name on the team sheet sort of choice for the national team. It's incredible, really, given the form that he's been in in the last six months. Uh, well, yes, I mean, the form he's been in since November, at least, and, and he, he certainly does deserves a place in the side and but uh, I I don't know I mean that the kind of dynamic up and atom Parker type player always gets the headlines in England it's uh, it's just the way things are and fans seem to appreciate that and I think Carrick's more understated way of playing playing the, the way he screens the back four and his excellent use of possession is would be appreciated in Spain more than it would in England yeah absolutely and and lots of talk of skulls coming out of retirement to play for England yeah so, what happened? Uh, well, I I don't know. The the thing is, I, I'm not totally convinced by that. Fergie obviously said no. I think it's ridiculous, but he would say that. And the skulls have said no every year for the last eight years. Well, except that in the in the retirement interview, he said he pretty much really regretted not going to the World Cup. Yeah, but he's a he's a player, but and of course he wants to be involved in the big tournaments. And but with him, the decision's always about family first. He could have gone right last time. He could have gone. He, he decided he was he was asked too late, and and the, the players that had taken England to the the tournament should play and, and his family were there and he had plans already and booked his holiday and all that so I just can't see it happening can't see it happening I'm, I'm not so convinced I think if Redknapp gets the job he'll, he's not just going to get his assistant to give Skulls a quick text message is he? he's going to do the full oh I love you sunshine come on come play with us it'll be absolutely marvellous we'll have a lovely time he'll, he'll drive around to Skulls' house and sit in his car and just talk out the window right <laughs> he will that's because that's how he has all his conversations I, I don't think Redknapp actually has legs I think he's just permanently in. he's like Ironside but in a in in a Volvo. So, um, at Akalik asked a question for us, at underscore Akalik asked us the question about Welbeck or Hernandez and, and who should be starting, given that it seems that Hernandez has more goals in him, but Welbeck's link-up play is obviously much better, and actually the, the game against Ajax sort of typified Hernandez because he sort of got in the way a bit quite a few times. When right. he's not the last when he's not the last point in a move, you know, you generally want Cleverly and Rooney and Young to be knocking the ball about amongst each 
each well, other. Well, his, then... his first touch is heavy, and his second touch is to steady himself, and his third touch is, is to a player 15 yards behind him. But he breaks up the moves because he's just not as comfortable in that that sort of back-to-the-goal, bringing other players into the game role as, as Welbeck is. So, yeah, right now, Hernandez is the better finisher, and uh, it's an area of Welbeck's game that has improved, but his goal record isn't awesome by any means. But uh, Welbeck's got a better all-round game. Yeah, um, but, you know, as you said, I think a couple of weeks ago on the rank cast, if, if you want somebody to nick a goal for you, you definitely want Hernandez around, don't you? Because, I mean, again, today he, he got United second, which could be absolutely crucial in the tie. I mean, it certainly puts a very different complexion on the game at Old Trafford in a week. Yes, yes, it does. I mean, 2-0 two, two is, is a very comfortable cushion, given how, how lightweight Ajax are. And, and Hernandez makes a difference. I mean, in that he's constantly buzzing around the, the, the central defenders. He, he makes central defenders drop a little bit deeper because of the pace that's uh, available uh, he's got. And uh, that changes the dynamic of the game somewhat from from the way Welbeck plays and Welbeck runs the channels he's 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 physical he's not he's not slow by any means but he plays in a different way in that he's prepared to be involved in the game a little bit more than Hernandez is who really wants to find that ball going in between the two central defenders and and that that pace is is kind of uh, really dangerous I wish he'd stay onside a bit more though he really does have a problem with timing of his runs and the amount of times he's he's offside is really quite incredible and frustrating I just don't find it nearly as frustrating as everyone else seems to because it's just his game he's just always going to be either almost offside or offside yes but you give possession back to the opposition yeah you do or you score and I think he scores often enough that it's I mean yeah it'd be lovely if every single one of his runs was perfectly timed but I think it's a percentages game it's just that that it's so devastating when it works that it's worth doing it a few times when it doesn't work that that kind of off the shoulder of the last defender right to the absolute kind of breaking point of their offside track mm, but he's got so much pace that you kind of feel he'll beat almost any defender anyway and just give himself an extra yard right yeah no well yeah no you might be right about that Wayne Rooney with what can only be described as a hideously classless tweet just after the Torre brothers had helped the Ivory Coast to lose a, the most dramatic penalty shootout I've ever seen in my life Rooney tweeting how funny is it that the Torres were there till the end of the tournament have come home with nothing I know but he's only articulating what most Manchester United fans are thinking that's schadenfreude isn't it and it, not not very tasteful for a fellow pro to do that but you're pretty sure that a lot of United fans were thinking that one well I, I wonder about it I wonder what it sort of says about the relationship between the players and the two clubs because you often think that you know rival players players for rival clubs actually probably there's not that much enmity between them because they have more in common than separates them you know that's like like the the old thing about backbench MPs the the enemies are not the opposition MPs they're they're your fellow backbench MPs who will be competing for the same jobs right. as you so in some ways but but it, it makes me wonder if there's actually some genuine sort of enmity between the United and, and City camps at the moment uh, well I'm sure there's some there's some friendly rivalry so or maybe not so friendly I haven't seen anything in any of the games particularly that uh, looks like it's of a personal nature but uh, clearly Rooney was watching and enjoyed that one so uh, I mean look, when United go and play City at, at Eastlands on the 28th of April I'm sure the Torrey brothers will be reminding him of that one and uh, especially if City win so let's let's hope that Rooney does the business on the day right yeah absolutely um, I know I know this is United rant not general football in general rant but I am not going to be able to get through 
this show without talking about that Africa Cup of Nations final. The most emotional I've ever felt about a football match that didn't involve a team I was actually, you know, a supporter of. Just just an incredible, incredible thing. I mean, if you can find an emo- a more emotive setting for a football match than uh, an African night where it's absolutely pouring with rain and a team who've been rebuilt, you know, from the ashes of a, of a, a terrible tragedy where they lost their best national team ever about 19 years ago and the head of their FA was one of the few survivors from that plane crash and you know the, the game itself was kind of okay Drogba took the worst penalty I've ever seen did you see it yeah yeah terrible terrible effort yeah and, and it was like a, it was like a golf chip over the bar it was it was almost like the perfect bad penalty and 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 in fairness he you can imagine how pressured he would have felt at that moment and it's understandable that he kind of completely tonked it but still the the penalty shootout it went on for forever yeah yeah, 20 minutes and every single penalty was just like perfect penalty after perfect penalty well until they started missing them yeah Yeah. well the fifth zambian kick where a lad who looked about 12 uh, was sent up to to take in if there was someone that was going to miss you thought it would be him and he he put it right in the top corner that hargreaves in 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 the champions league final penalty shootout yeah in moscow yeah yeah very very good very dramatic i mean perhaps not so good if you're a fan of zambia or ivory coast my view is that no penalty shootout should count uh, from now on unless at least one of the teams has all their players on the touchline linked arms and singing and all their players in the centre circle linked arms and singing and when they go up to take the winning penalty all the way to the penalty spot that chap he was just singing as he walked up to the penalty spot no I don't know I've never I've never been quite so moved by a football match incredible scenes so from incredible scenes at the final of a major international tournament to a functional, effective, much improved in the second half performance from Manchester United away in Holland. Giggs, Giggs did not go to Amsterdam, but the rest of the United boys did, um, minus Patrice Evra. So yeah, Patrice Evra given a rest and, and I think a well-earned rest after everything that's happened in the last few months. And the fact he's played so many games and, and uh, I know you wanted to touch on Evra's celebration after the Liverpool game and you saw a massive release of all the tension didn't you I actually thought there was a load of fuss about nothing for that one uh, just an attempt to balance up some of the controversy he celebrated in front of every stand I don't think looking at the replay he even knew Suarez was there he definitely he definitely knew Suarez was there he didn't he, 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 he clocked him and then walked over with his back to him in order to do the thing of looking like he didn't know he was there he was totally giving it the because you know in the first minute of the game he tried to decapitate Suarez and nearly accidentally killed Rio instead yeah well this is true but I, I mean even so look what does it matter he's in front of the Stretford end I think if he'd gone over to the, the you know the corner of the, the K stand there where the Liverpool fans were and, and done that that might have been different although could you really incite any more hatred between the two sets of fans I'm not sure you could no no problem for me uh, he, he's not been charged by the FA for it and uh, and it's just a load of fuss over nothing I, I thought a bigger issue and not covered in the mainstream media uh, much anyway was the fact that the Greater Manchester Police seized a load of copies of Red Issue and and uh, we had a chat a few months ago when I very nearly put something very similar in, in the Rant Monthly and, and decided not to on account of how tasteless it is making a joke out of using the KKK because obviously the KKK is a, an organisation that engaged in brutal murder of people and, and so a lot of that is not very funny so it was a very tasteless joke by Red Issue. I have a, I have a copy and to cut out and keep a KKK hood with Suarez is innocent and LFC printed on it 
it and it is clearly a piece of satire in fact private eye ran a similar very similar joke about john terry a few weeks ago so a massive sense of humor failure by the greater manchester police there and i, I wouldn't have thought it would come to anything they, they are going to have to prove I mean, it's gone to the crown prosecution service but they're going to have to prove that a crime was committed there a race hate crime and, and if you can't tell that that is satire and humor then you really do have a problem yeah i mean i don't know how you could claim it was a race hate crime because it's in a manchester united magazine so they're not actually saying that suarez is innocent and they love lfc and as soon as you make that point everything else completely falls apart doesn't it i mean it's not illegal to make satire really poor quality lowbrow satire of the most kind of base lowest common denominator unfunny kind but still you know it's not illegal it's just stupid well you you have to take that literally so you have to say this is united fans printing pictures of a Klu Klux Klan hood for people to wear and saying that Suarez is innocent and supporting Liverpool you have to take it literally for this for you to uh, assume that there was a problem there and and it was the excuse which was insane by the chief superintendent that uh, people waving this in the crowds could uh, incitement to violence and and that kind of thing it's just really seriously yeah people waving a fanzine in the crowd were, were going to cause a riot and nothing to do with Luis Suarez acting like a complete buffoon in fact I was, I was way more offended by the images of Luis Suarez on my screen I mean here's an actual confirmed proven 115 pages of factually proven racist on our screen getting paid millions of pounds a year i'm pretty bloody offended by that yeah you know absolutely it's 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 not illegal but there's no way that's going to stick surely and it is pretty despicable that the police kind of took that away it's just it's a massive waste of police resources if nothing else and this was a massive waste of of uh, rant listeners resources to listen to this rant and uh, in the middle of what we were going to talk about actually which was the the ajax game and then I think you call it a functional performance and, and it was pretty much I mean a few jokes flying around about yeah, United players having smoked a reefer or two because uh, they were pretty ponderous in the first half well, not bad just it was just slow it was just slow 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 and um, and there was no change of pace there uh, thought they could move the ball a lot quicker Nanny was obviously having a, a very bad day at the office so understandable he's not actually had a training session at all and he was not in the best of form before he got injured either right yeah so you, you can excuse all that I perhaps can't excuse some of the selfishness there was an incredible amount of selfishness of shooting when he should have crossed on multiple occasions and and obviously young with his touch wasn't great and he hasn't played for ages cleverly he got the ball and moved it didn't do anything particularly dangerous with it it was just that kind of that kind of labored performance in the first half much better much much better in the second half actually had some penetration i felt like the first half was a really good performance just waiting to happen it felt like it was just you know all over twitter all i saw was god you know had been rubbish in this first half and I was thinking well they sort of have been a bit rubbish but it feels like it's just about to click and actually the last two minutes of the first half or maybe the last three or four minutes of the first half United managed to get some moves strung together and actually did look threatening a couple of times you know the old jokes about them being afraid of the hairdryer at half time might have been a factor because I'm, I'm sure Fergie was not happy and, and in his post-match interview actually he was pretty disparaging about United's first half performance and not particularly complimentary about their second half performance either said he thought it could have been a lot better which it certainly could have done and if Ajax were actually any good uh, especially in the final third they could have caused United a lot more trouble there were, there were a few opportunities they they nearly gave themselves a good opportunity and then sort of shot tamely from 20 yards out instead of you know making better decisions the front three were were dangerous at times for Ajax but really had not a lot I think lightweight was 
was what I felt about them basically and, and Ericsson had a decent game I mean I've, I've seen him uh, a few times before because uh, obviously Champions League uh, they're in the group stages unlucky as we said to go out and, and they show some Ersti Divisi games on ESPN as well so I have nothing better to do I, I watch that now and again and he's a good player he's a good player I and mean, it's a big leap to say he's gonna, he's a good player at an Ajax in the Dutch League so he can play for one of the big clubs in Europe at the kind of feet Ajax seem to be looking for him but I, I think if he matures he, he he will be up there with the better sort of attacking midfielders in Europe whether he's more than that uh, I'm not sure but he did okay I thought I didn't think he made him massive advert for himself but I just generally thought all over the pitch Ajax were there's just nothing really about them just no real oomph and they didn't put under United under a lot of pressure uh, at any point really uh, David De Gea didn't have to do much at all a couple of saves but really that that was it Ajax were happy to let United have the ball uh, didn't press at all uh, you know not even really in in their own defensive third and I, I really as a result I really can't see them doing anything at Old Trafford at all didn't look like they had any pace that they could even hit anyone on the break I mean the big lad didn't didn't look he like he had much about him at all I'd be more tempted to move their forwards around a little bit and play Ladero and, and at least he's a, a technical player and uh, got, got a bit of talent about him not very complimentary about Patrice Evra this week mind you but there uh, are any Uruguayans but uh, but there you go uh, I think you know solid functional great result really 2-0 away from home and uh, Ferguson can can play all the guys who need some minutes cleverly young um, Nani uh, especially now it looks like Valencia might be out for a few weeks and Phil Jones uh, Smalling probably needs some time so and, and he can do all that and, and not worry about it really and maybe some of the kids will get a game I mean it doesn't seem to have happened much this season but maybe Pogba will get a game for example the performance from United was slightly disjointed in the first half as we've said and I, I think I'm sure that part of that is because a lot of players coming back from injury when when that happens all at once I mean Jones, Nanny, Young Cleverly, all of their first game back from injury, some of those have been out for a long time of course. Tom Cleverly's return you know a, lot, a lot's been said about him in his absence and, and a lot of people sort of saying there's an unrealistic burden of expectation on him but I, I don't think that's the case. I, I genuinely believe he is an absolute superbly talented footballer and and you said he didn't do a lot in the first half but he was quietly effective and he kept the ball fantastically and oh yeah and he's very good at that I and mean, his his pass stats are always very good he yeah I just I was looking for a bit more penetration from him that's all what he's done so well in the, basically you know, he had lots of four and a half games or something hasn't he for United this season but what he's, he's done very well is pass move pass move and kept United ticking and he helps the tempo of the game and and I guess that's what we're looking for him basically he's had an hour of football since 10th of September so he said yeah he's, he's pretty much had six months out and that's a long time out and uh, it's going to take him a little while but it's a massive bonus for United he's back for the running a huge blow that Valencia is out for what could be a few weeks with a hamstring problem but a massive bonus that Cleverly's there because uh, he's going to add an extra dimension to United's midfield yeah he certainly is and I think he makes he factors in a lot to the well-being versus Hernandez debate because I think that him sat behind Rooney and Welbeck is potentially absolutely devastating in terms of creating incisive opportunity because there's so much fluidity and movement and interplay. That's what he does. He passes moves, passes moves, and he, he's not the not the kind of playmaker who gets the ball and hits sixty yard Hollywood passes. He he, do, he does that very rarely, but he, he picks the simple passes out. But but mostly they're incisive, and they weren't so much against Ajax. But I think that will come once he he gets a few more minutes under his belt. And 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 that's what 
what was key to United's playing in the sort of late summer when United were playing so well? It was all revolving around him and his movement. I just don't feel that, that any lack of incision in his passing in the game against Ajax was reflective of where he's at, really, in terms of coming back from injury and how effective he's been so far I think it was a lot to do with the movement in front of him and, and the opportunities created I, I maybe I'm slightly doe-eyed by the, the prospect of seeing him again and I kind of I'm kind of wishing it to be better than it was but but I thought it was a, a very effective hour and, and and he was a big part of uh, you know that 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 initial spell of pressure in the second half he'll get time in the second leg for sure won't he he, he might play the entire game in the second leg depending on how his training's at for the, for the next week or so and a goal from Ashley Young uh, Ashley Young really did look like he was struggling being back Back in the side, but but took his goal excellently and and really earned it. If you were going to, if you were looking at it, you, you'd say he should have hit it first time with his left foot. But he, he was composed enough to cut inside. I, I thought he might have wasted the opportunity, but but good job he didn't because other than that, he didn't have a great game and pretty offensive dive as well. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing. Yeah, just just really terrible. But yeah, so didn't have a good game all round. But but got the goal and and that that'll do him good. He really does need some good football though because um, aside from that period in the in the late some early autumn he, he's he's had a few months of of not playing very well before he got injured yeah and there was talk that he'd actually been carrying an injury through some of that not playing very well so it'd be interesting to see if he can get fully fit and, and find a level of performance again but he's always been inconsistent wherever he's been throughout his career Ashley Young and one man who's very consistent and it'll be a huge blow Antonio Valencia hobbled off with a couple of minutes to go he came on as a sub and then hobbled off almost immediately and and Fergie confirmed that he has a, a hamstring problem and that could be a few weeks that could be depending on how serious it is I assume they'll get the scan and, and hopefully it's just a grade one and, and he'll be you know two or three weeks rather than five or six or seven what Fergie actually said of course is that he has a hamstring he's got a bit of a hamstring which is helpful I find you know in a, in a sports person to have a hamstring always yeah. worrying when substitutes come on and then get hamstring injuries and you always kind of question the warm up because obviously ham- hamstrings are so vulnerable to not stretching properly it's a Michael Owen isn't it that's what he does all the time should just call it an Owen. And and talking of just calling it things, when someone really, really wastes a fantastic opportunity or when someone's corner is so bad, it kind of just goes backwards into the opposition fans. Uh, that's that's that's, co- that's called a nanny. That was the nannyest nanny nanny ever nannied, I think. When you slice the corner out of the first kick of the game, that's a nanny. Yeah. We've, we've actually chatted about this before, haven't we? About how sometimes you just know within seconds whether a nanny's on a good day or a bad day and uh, didn't take very long to work out he was having a bad day yeah, at the office. No, definitely. Um, I'm hoping that the reverse curse of the rank cast strikes and he's fantastic in the... Well, we're going to need him. I mean, if Valencia's out and Valencia's been such a key part of United's attack, I mean, he really has got a whole bunch of goals, hasn't he, from, from uh, Valencia's sort of incisive running in a very old-fashioned wing play. So, so now he's got to come in and he's got to find his form. If it was football manager, I'd do something where, you know, I played like three strikers and cleverly in behind them instead of playing Nani on the wing at the moment but obviously that does, doesn't work in real life unfortunately so well, what do you think of the second leg I mean Ferguson will definitely play some of the fringe players that need games so cleverly will play for sure not that I'm calling him a fringe player but he needs game and, and maybe people like Park and, and maybe Giggs will get his 900th game and, and that kind of thing it would kind of be nice to see some kids wouldn't it yeah it would be nice to see some kids but it, it's just not been the season of I mean this has been the season of little beautiful exciting cameos 
from the kids. Uh, and, and oh, you know, Pogba getting the last 20 minutes wouldn't surprise me that much if we we're really comfortable at that point. You know, Pog, Pogba on for Cleverly after, you know, 60 minutes if it's still 2-0 or whatever. That'd be, that'd be fine. I'd, he, he's not going to start or anything, though, I'm sure. No, 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 no. I, I don't think so. I can't see anything other than a United win, though, and, and uh, it looks like a trip to... To Moscow for the the round of 187 million. I know there's got to play about four seasons worth of games in the Europa League, haven't you? Well, they've lost in lack of television money. They make up for in uh, fixtures, so you play an awful lot of games in the Europa League. I think Moscow. It looks like it'll probably be Moscow next, but no, uh, no one will be looking forward to that trip in the middle of winter, will it's they? It's not talking about. It's not time for talking about the next round yet, though, because you know United's capacity to stuff things up this season has been fairly dramatic, especially in Europe. Although I would, I would be surprised. Yeah, I think losing to this Ajax side 3-0 at home (laughs) would, would really top it. I, I have endless capacity to be cynical about these things, but but I just can't see that. One. Yeah, it was like when you you said hubris be damned. Fernando Torres is completely and utterly shot. He, he did then set up a goal immediately after you tweeted that. Of course, I should point out, but he hasn't scored. So and clearly that's what I meant. Yeah, absolutely. I guess Carrick probably. I would. I, I guess I probably wouldn't play Carrick against Ajax because I mean he's he's not suffering from any shortage of games and he's in excellent form and he's absolutely vital to United. So you might you might leave him out but there are real there's a real paucity of options if you do though I guess it was the the first sighting of the Carrick Cleverly partnership today as well which I think is probably going to be quite a significant one over the next couple of seasons because it it really is the most natural two uh, of the the collection of United central midfielders with various different talents and weaknesses that we have it's a nice combination interesting with with Skulls playing and playing very well recently Carrick's actually moved further forward quite a lot of the time he's further forward than Skulls and, and you'd expect that to be slightly different cleverly in the side not that it'll make any real difference but I, I think you're right about wrapping Carrick in Cosmo Wallo no no need to take any risks given the injury problems that United have had this season with uh, with Carrick for that one need him for the run in for sure and other players who, who can play against Ajax given that the game is, is pretty much won I'd say now one thing that appears to be settled and uh, I find this rather worrying as these pictures did surface quite some time ago a, a tartan looking kit for United next season oh my goodness uh, seriously uh, it's a definitely a WTF moment that one yeah I mean Rangers are going into administration Fergie used to play for Rangers tartan kit nah, I think it might be too bit too strong to be a coincidence I wonder if we're going to f- siphon off some of the profits from shirt sales to support the keep Rangers alive movement yeah I well, I think even the Glazers wouldn't uh, be able to uh, fill a financial hole that being yeah, £75 million worth of, of uh, HMRC debt. It, it, yeah, I mean, not like I really want to talk about Rangers, kind of irrelevant. Not our problem that it's a club that's been mismanaged so badly and we've got our own mismanagement problems ourselves, haven't we? But criminal, really. Not, not only in terms of uh, how that club has been run and the fact that they've financially doped for years on money they didn't have uh, but the failure of the Scottish football authorities to regulate their clubs to make sure that kind of thing didn't happen I mean this is this is a club with 54 domestic titles yeah this is not just some small club going bust because they couldn't make ends meet this is the one of the two richest clubs in Scotland clearly should be financially viable chasing a dream it couldn't afford uh, I guess and and trying to spend money it didn't have yeah re- really shocking but probably so important to 
Scottish football, but that there's no way that they'll be allowed to fail. I mean, interesting that HMRC is involved, though, because they probably won't let them uh, cop out with a sort of 10 or 15 pence in the pound and voluntary agreement so it will be a full administration they might even get liquidated if the HMRC is, is really on the case And but, but the thing is given who Rangers is they'll be formed as a separate entity and, and admitted back into the Scottish Premier League immediately I would have thought Oh yeah, because the Scottish Premier League without Rangers is even more ridiculous than the Scottish Premier League with Rangers, isn't it? Of course, whenever whenever clubs do spiral like that, the size of our debt burden just kind of just nags away slightly at the back of their mind. Because it's all very well the debt burden stopping us competing at the highest level or, or massively inhibiting our ability to compete at the highest level. But the spiral potential when you have levels of debt that of that magnitude it's always there it's always yeah I mean it, it certainly was when those picked loans are in place and running at 16.5% interest and, and it, not so much anymore and the bond is is kind of uh, you know you know, you know what they're paying it's two chunks of 23 and a bit million pounds every year and it's a hell of a lot of money just to chuck away at, at interest but for the moment at least until 2017 there's no desperate desperation in it and there's, there's no chance that United can't meet those payments and, and have been uh, the Glazer family have been sucking money out of the club and and slowly buying back some of that debt and and if and when the IPO happens and it's a big if actually given the turmoil in the markets then presumably a lot of the other debt will be paid down it kind of has to be otherwise you wouldn't buy a share in United because it just doesn't look very good on the the balance sheet to have that much kind of leverage so at that point United's financial future will look a bit more solid we'll see how much debt is locked in after that because it definitely lock the debt in but yeah it it does bring it to mind a long time since we've really talked about the Glazers ending kind of depth and and there's nothing really going to change until that ipo happens and then of course we'll get a whole new level of transparency then football administrators don't take responsibility for when this happens so portsmouth crystal palace cardiff had their financial problems leeds united what happened at liverpool before the, the more recent takeover by fenway they are failing in their governance it's easy enough to sit behind the companies that and go they're private companies uh, we can't we can't tell them how to to run themselves but the fa is there and the fa and the premier league are there to govern football and they're failing to do that it's always fascinating to hear you talk about this this stuff ed and and you know i i for one am very glad that there's people like you and anders red around to go through the finances and make it make sense to regular folk you know regular folk yeah yeah you know non 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 economist types yeah those who weren't dumb enough to 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 do that kind of degree and spend their days looking at spreadsheets yeah yeah exactly you know it's a winning line of parties let me tell you the ladies (laughs) are fighting them off with a shitty stick Um, uh, yes so excellent week results wise decent week performance wise promising week players coming back from injury wise slight worry of course that Valencia will be out because he's been instrumental in a lot of the good things that have been going on at United but this season rolls on threatening to lurch into disaster and then suddenly the light at the end of the tunnel appears again and and do you think we're going to win the league I know I know it's sort of arbitrary to talk about it this week but I've I've just been thinking about it quite a lot looking at that Premier League table looking at us two points behind City it's it's, it's exciting what, what, what do the odds say on the Betfair at the moment because I would say like, my guess would be that, that United are probably sort of you know six to four seven to five 
ish as a guess and, and that's probably about right I think I think City should be favourites from here they've got a they've got a, a good run of fixtures they play United at home if I wanted to be in one of those positions I'd want to be in City's position I think they are slight favourites I think a lot depends on the key games for United so that game against City the game at Tottenham coming up in a couple of weeks time get six points out of those games then you're going to say yes United will win the league you've got to make sure we don't lose any more ridiculous points at home especially and, and the injury crisis has got to not drag on if those things happen if players do come back if we get uh, four points from those two games against City and, and Tottenham I think United will win it but, but I think the odds are slightly in favour of City at the moment but only just I think it's very interesting I think we're going to win the league I kind of think we're going to win the league I kind of I just said it twice I was about to say it a third time I think we're going to win the league I don't know I thought we were going to win the Champions League last season though so I, I don't know anything you know I, I just think we we've got a lot of things happening right at the right time it'd be fascinating to see whether Tevez comes back to City. Did you did you, did you see that? Do you find it credible at all? Uh, no, and no, I think he'll only have a disruptive influence. I can't imagine he's suddenly going to go into the team and, and set the world on fire. And I, I would have thought that the other players will resent him being there as well. I think it only caused damage to, to City's unity. I think it's the Tevez camp that's driving this because he didn't get the move and so he realises he's got to play. Otherwise, he'll he'll end up not only City being forced into a cut-price deal in the summer, but him being forced into a cut-price deal. And, and you know where Tevez is, he definitely doesn't want that. So uh, he, he needs to come back and play. But I can't see it being a good thing for them. I mean, they upgraded when they got Sergio Aguero. Fact. Yeah, no, absolutely. You, you you mustn't end sentences with fact, Ed. It sounds awfully Benitez. Fact. <laughs> Benitez for England, by the way. Yeah, I think it's brilliant. Yeah, they should do it. Kenny Dalglish for England would be better, but yeah. <laughs> no, I no, I don't. I don't wish that on England. Even England, I don't wish Kenny Dalglish on. Anyway, so you mentioned 2017 earlier, and just in order that this rank cast doesn't last until 2017, we should probably wrap up with a prediction of the one fixture we've got until the next time we speak, which it will be uh, in a week's time. We play Ajax at home. I'm going to say 2-0 again, actually, and a, a late goal again to make it 2-0. I think it'll be a very open game. United can play a few other players, and uh, Ajax have to go and attack. So I think it's going to be well, a bit like Schalke in the, the semi-final last year, but you know, maybe a few goals, maybe a 3-2. If it's going to be like Schalke, can we get Darren Gibson back just for that game? Shoot, Agent Gibson. All right, so uh, been a pleasure as always. Thank you very much for listening. There's something going on with our listenership figures, so if you're new to the Rankcast, we do hope you enjoy it. If you want to catch Ed or I in between shows, you can hit us up on Twitter, at United Rant for Ed and at UTD Rantcast for me. We always love it if you leave us reviews on iTunes, and you can also uh, interact with us on Facebook by hitting like on United Rant or at unitedrant.co.uk where there will be a week's worth of fantastic Manchester United editorial, no doubt, Ed. I'll give it a shot and we'll see you next week.